This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we cover business continuity and disaster recovery with NetUp HCI and Cleandris with Andy Banta and Michael White. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipor. Zipor. I love NetApp because it's so funny. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and we're going to talk today about NetApp HCI, but more specifically about DR with NetApp HCI. And to do that, I've brought along a couple guests. Um, One of them is Michael White. Hi, Michael. What do you do? How do we reach you? Well, uh, thank you, Justin. And I'm very, very happy to be here to talk about this really cool DR orchestration product. You can reach me on Twitter at MWVME, and I have a blog that's quite popular, and I'd love to share it. It's notesfrommwhite.net. Excellent. And, what do you cover on the notes from M. White? Well, I do a newsletter every week that's a wrap-up of all of the cool stuff I've read and seen. I write some BCDR stuff. I write about upgrades, and there's a variety of things. It's a little bit eclectic. Oh, okay. Cool. And then last, I do technical marketing for NetApp HCI. All right. You, then you're the perfect person to have to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Um, that was totally by accident. This didn't. This did not get pre-planned. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, also with us today, the storage janitor himself. All right, do you still go by the storage janitor, Andy? Hi, my name's Andy Banta. I am the storage janitor. I'm working in product management for VMware integrations on NetApp HCI and SolidFire products. You can reach me at Andy Banta on Twitter, or you can also find me at abanta at netapp.com for email. Uh, when we're allowed to be back out in public, you can actually find me, you know, lots of places publicly until then. Uh, just like Justin is locked in his basement, I am locked in my basement. All right, cool. So, Andy, um, you know, like I said, we're here to talk about NetApp HCI and Cleandris uh, DR. Or sorry, we're here to talk about NetApp HCI and DR. Uh, and first of all, I like to just cover HCI in general. So, Andy, what is the NetApp HCI solution? What is that all about? So, NetApp HCI is uh, it's called disaggregated HCI. Basically, the idea is that we can scale, compute, and storage entirely separately. Uh, we we have storage nodes that are based on the SolidFire element technology that's completely linearly scalable. You can uh, go anywhere from four to 40 nodes of, of storage that way. And then the compute nodes are our, our own homebrewed nodes that we typically install with uh, VMware ESXi and manage with the vCenter. You can also use other... Um, virtualization platforms on it, like OpenStack or whatnot. Uh, but the out of the box, we typically have VMware. Uh, the whole idea here is that you can, you know, build them out entirely separately. Uh, one of the key pieces here is that as you build out your storage, we, we actually have a guaranteed number of IOPS that are available from each node. So we literally scale the, the, the amount of capacity that your cluster has whenever you uh, add storage. So this is intended to be a, a good system for running all sorts of different workloads at once. It's intended largely as a, a multi-tenant data center-wide system. If I can just add to that, Andy, if you don't mind, there's a couple of things I'm really fond of. 
The first is that the storage within this disaggregated HCI can actually be served out to other consumers. So that means if you have a physical server and you wanted to share a volume of storage with this HCI solution, you can do that. And that's pretty handy. The other thing that you uh, talked about, but I just want to sort of reiterate, is we've put an extraordinary amount of time into the, the, the ability to say what the resources are a storage or a VM on the storage would get. And so it's rock solid and it's very powerful. And that's how we're actually able to put a really busy SQL server beside a not so busy uh, connection server for Horizon View. And they both will perform really, really well because we do that technology so well. So, Andy, you, you mentioned disaggregated HCI as a clarification. So what is, why do you refer to it as disaggregated? Is there a difference in the HCI market about what's disaggregated and what's not? Well, it's, it's largely a red herring. The, the whole idea is that there's, there were a handful of HCI or hyper-converged infrastructure vendors out there who used shared cores for both doing the compute and the storage resources. And uh, when, when NetApp HCI came along and we were actually using separate uh, processing cores for doing storage and for compute, people were saying, yeah, it's not really HCI. At the end of the day, it's serving the same purpose. So what you're trying to do is build out scalable architecture that can be easily built and, and manipulated and used for different workloads. And NetApp HCI meets that that requirement for what you're looking for in a hyper-converged infrastructure. Uh, we, we had to throw the tagline on because there were all sorts of vendors out there that were uh, throwing fud, basically saying it's not really HCI. So I'm, I'm curious, do customers actually care? <laughs> like, Do they care no. about the, the, the architecture or do they care about the outcomes? No, they care about the outcomes. Uh, we hear an awful lot of uh, other vendors and analysts who care about the architecture. Uh, customers pay no attention. So customers do get very excited about our quality of service, though, Justin. That That is a very powerful feature, and it provides a lot of flexibility. So that's something that I've seen CIOs smile over as much as a IT admin. Yeah, that quality of service piece is a, is a definitely a, a boon for the HCI uh platform and i guess it came over from the solifier uh element os piece right that's that's yeah. right and another key piece that we we differentiate ourselves on is the our ability to scale out to large configurations so we're not intended to be a, a small island of compute and storage we we actually are intended to grow out to very large configurations and still be able to to uh do the workload. In, in fact, in many ways, we actually um, increase our efficient efficiencies when we get larger. And we can do that without outages. So virtual machines can be running on the storage as we're growing it. It's very cool. That's cool. Any degradation of performance while that happens, or is it just, you know, set it and forget it? When I've tested it uh, playing, you know, not with real production apps, but I couldn't see an impact. I know that one of the things that people have a challenge with is figuring out where the NetApp HCI platform fits when it comes to workloads and, and use cases. So, you know, could you run down some of the use cases and workloads where NetApp HCI makes the most sense? 
Uh, there are quite a few different workloads that it, it makes an awful lot of sense for. VDI workloads are especially are, are particularly well suited for it, simply because each one of the individual desktops can uh, be guaranteed a, a certain amount of service. Uh, we do quite well with a variety of different database applications. Uh, we have some very interesting integrations with Splunk that uh, where the NetApp HCI ties into our storage grid product and gets used for various different tiering there. Uh, we, we actually sell an awful lot to service providers where the service provider will actually have their own, they will be off getting their own tenants to come onto it and those tenants could have a variety of different use cases. The area where we're not necessarily the, the best, NetApp has other lines of business that this better would be like with the E-series and AFF would be the extremely low latency requirements where you actually have like very high speed transactional uh, things that go on. Um, I mean, one of the things that we do is we do scale out our IOPS very, very wide. So like if you have 10 nodes of 100,000 IOPS each, you have basically a million IOPS out of your storage. The, not all of those million IOPS are going to be usable by one application. The intention there is they would actually be spread out across the various different applications running. So it's it's varied workload as opposed to single uh, low latency workloads. Some of the customers I've chatted with actually went after us, and I'm talking about a service provider, but also a bank, uh, because 100% of our features are API accessible. So they can use their own tools for provisioning. They can use their own tools for doing whatever they want with our stuff. And that's quite popular to some customers. As far as NetApp HCI goes, I mean, are there native uh, backup and, and and recovery and snapshotting capabilities in the product itself? Or do you rely on external things to help with that? Well, there's quite a bit of uh, built-in capabilities as well. So just like any other storage product, we have the ability to snapshot volumes. We have the ability to clone volumes. We have the ability to cluster-to-cluster replication. So you can actually have two complete separate configurations that will replicate to each other either synchronously or asynchronously. Uh, For an awful lot of the application level uses, we actually integrate with other vendors and and other products that are out there. So we do actually use, uh, we have the snap mirror capability that will actually do replication between element and on tap configurations. We also have integrations with Commvault, Veeam, uh, the folks we're here to talk about today, Cleandris, uh, quite a bit of uh, VMware integration. So we we integrate with uh, any one of the, any number of the various different capabilities from VMware, SRM, the uh, what's the backup product, Michael? I'm having a grown up blank here. The VADP uh, API yeah. set. So, Andy, you mentioned a few backup vendors there, and one of them that, that we we're here to talk about today is Cleandris because you have something uh, going on with them. So, what is Cleandris um, okay. in, in general? Well, first off, let's let's make it clear that Cleandris is actually a disaster recovery product that we're we're reselling. So. Cleandris uh, actually has a handful of different products that are out there, but the piece that we are reselling at this point is called the Cleandris uh, Hyperconverged or HCI Control Center. And the purpose behind this is to actually is actually for disaster recovery. 
they have a handful of other products that integrate very strongly with uh, ONTAP products, and there are also some other capabilities in the HCC product, but the primary purpose here that we're going to talk about would be the ability to actually orchestrate between multiple different sites and uh, set up replication and be able to automatically fail over uh, VMs between the various different sites. So the nice thing about this is that Cleandris uh, actually offers all of this, just all of their management is run through a single VM, and you can apply whatever licenses you want to that VM to get it, whatever features you want. Uh, the, the VM handles all of the orchestration and all of the work that happens, and of course, you can have multiple copies of that VM running either in an HA configuration or just in a paired configuration, so you get the get highly available services that way. So I understand that they tie into not just HCI but also ONTAP, um, and I would guess that the, the functionality is a bit different. So is this an official partnership with Cleandris? Is it something that you know they're licensing? I mean, how does that work, and, and how does it integrate yeah. in directly directly with HCI? We actually have an official partnership with them. Uh, the big difference with the HCC product is that we are actually reselling that product. So you can actually talk to your NetApp salesperson and get Cleandris HCC to work on the HCI product. All the other products are very available. You just go to Cleandris.com and you can uh, view the products, uh, buy yourself licenses to them, anything like that. The, the, as I said, the big difference is that our sales force now has the ability to offer an alternative disaster recovery product. So does this thing install directly on the ACI, or does it run the hypervisor portion it's of del- It's delivered as an OVA. So it's deployed very, very easily, five minutes, and you're up and running. And the OVA talks directly to the HCI. Okay, so there's an interface rather than it running on box. That's correct. And it's an HTML5 that I've even done demos using my iPad so it's a really nice HTML5 UI. So as far as the, the DR capabilities go, I mean, what does it provide for NetApp HCI? How does it run the DR? How does What is the DR doing? Is it copying files? Is it leveraging another portion of the HCI technology? Well, what it does is it will set up the replication of the volumes that you want to protect. And then it allows you to do a test failover just behind a firewall so nothing is impacted in production. And it allows you to practice for that failover when a disaster occurs. And it has a couple of neat features that are somewhat uncommon. Like, for example, it has a feature called plan of plans. And so as you do a plan for your SQL environment, a plan for your view environment, a plan for your financial accounting, as those test failovers work, you can add those plans to the plan of plans. And that way, when a crisis occurs, you trigger one plan, and then you can run for your life or sit back and watch, and all of the plans will go off. They'll be triggered one after the other, and you will end up with your entire environment working at your DR site. So how does the replication work? I mean, is it, is it powered by the HCI product itself? Is it a feature within it, or does it do something out externally with that? It actually will use the HCI replication. And it makes it very easy because it's a really nice wizard. And so you're able to pick which volumes to replicate. Then you pick where they're going to be hosted for the replication, like on your DR site. And it's a nice wizard that steps you through that. But it is actually the HCI replication doing the work. 
So I know that with with ONTAP, LUNs, and SAN, there's some quiescing of file systems that have to take place to make sure that you have a good snapshot copy or a good replication copy of that LUNs. How does it work with HCI? Is it, does it require any sort of interaction with the file system that's running on top of it, or is it pretty much seamless? Well, it's seamless. However, what that actually means is that we're not getting really good application consistency, or we're not getting consistent across VMs. So doing so, doing consistency for VMs like crash consistency backups or application consistency backups would require more uh, API interaction, right? Yeah. And crash consistency technically works pretty damn good for most things nowadays. Not everything, but many things. So with that, so with Cleandras, is there a way to configure it to to interact with those APIs to do the crash consistency and application consistency, or does that require something else? That would require something else, but there is a feature that's coming out. Uh, well, probably this week, actually, um, that would make the ability to do some of that quiescing quite easy. With the the synchronous replication, we essentially do get crash consistency. Right, that's correct. It, we don't we don't get application consistency, so there's nothing we have to do extra at this point to actually get crash consistency. We're there. That would be right. additional things for application consistency. But but Andy, for things like a busy Oracle server, um, or some of my old clients, where they would do the credit card stuff, they have a high transaction rate, and for those guys, it's good to do an application consistent. I, I'm not denying that. I'm, I'm simply pointing out that there you know, there wasn't anything we needed additional for crash consistency. Oh, right. Yeah. Good point. The uh, feature that I uh, will be out perhaps this week, supposedly this week, is script and environment variable support. And what that means is you can arrange to have scripts executed as part of a failover. That's very powerful. It's commonly used to turn on hardware at the failover site. But you can also do other things with scripts. And one of them is, as an example, uh, you might be able to do some application consistent stuff. I would have to figure out how that works, but I think there's a possibility there. But it is on the roadmap for uh, the uh, Cleandris people to help more directly with application consistency in the future. Yeah, I know that most applications have an API that allow you to quiesce it to take snapshots, right? So things like Oracle, uh, things like SQL, things like Hyper-V. Those all allow you to say, hey, pause for a second, we're going to take a backup. So if there's, if there's an API, there should be a way to script it. Well, even with VMware tools, you could do that, right? You could have VMware tools execute that script that talks to the API. Uh, so there's a variety of ways to do this, which is good because then the vendor can pick whatever's easiest and most beneficial to the customer. So how are some of the other HCI vendors out there doing this? Is it, you know, is there a big difference in how they do the orchestration or do they have their own special things that they do or do they use some of the same vendors? Well, that's interesting because um, one of my past products that I worked on is Veeam Availability Orchestrator and it uses its own replication, but in the near future, it's actually going to also support and actually the near future maybe now, but I haven't kept track. Uh, it'll also use on-tap replication. 
So you'll be able to do the mass replication with ONTAP, or you can do the individual VM replication with Veeam. And so uh, there's that's Veeam. And then SRM uses a storage replication adapter, or SRA, and it will talk to the HCI replication, or it will talk to the ONTAP replication and actually do replication. And that's how the failover will occur. So those are there's three popular um, or impressive or sort of top of the chain, three DR orchestration products. And that was the two of them. And then there's Cleondris, which is new, but it directly integrates only with NetApp HCI replication at this point in time. And it does the triggering of the replication, the configuration of the replication. So what about rubric? Does that fit in here at all? Or is that something entirely different? That's uh, an interesting question. Technically, it's really something different. It's not a real BCDR product. It's a really good backup product. And it does do replication. It does do dispersal of the data. But it doesn't provide the reports. It doesn't provide the testing in a way that's really useful for customers to know that their failover will work. So it's not considered by BCDR people like myself to be a true BCDR product. Yeah, we, we actually do have full support for VMware SRM with our HCI product as well. Yeah. In that case, again, it's still only going to be HCI or uh, element-to-element replication that's configured with that product. Uh, but it, it's both Cleandris uh, DR and SRM DR are fully supported on the HCI product, one of the big differences is the pricing model where VMware SRM is actually licensed per VM that it protects. And there's actually a, a cliff uh, level there where uh, you can use the standard edition up to 75 VMs and then beyond 75 VMs, you need to go to the enterprise edition. By contrast, the Cleandris product is actually licensed per NetApp HCI node so it can actually be a much more economical solution for places that have lots of VMs that need to be protected. So it, it's it's offered as both an alternative product and an alternative pricing model. So the customers get their, their, their choice of which direction they want to go. So earlier you mentioned uh, the ONTAP replication uh, interaction. Do you see a lot of that out there? Is that something that people find use for? And if so, what, what sort of use cases are most common for that? The most common places that I've seen that type of replication would be existing NetApp ONTAP customers who are just being introduced to NetApp HCI and want to have data protection capabilities in that case, where they they actually want to be able to um, have replicas and backups of of information from their NetApp HCI to some existing storage device out there. And in that case, that's where that's the most common time we see SnapMirror used between NetApp HCI and ONTAP systems. So, you know, it's interesting that Cleandris is, you know, a part of this. How did they come about to be a member of the HCI DR community there? And, you know, what what about them as a company? Like, what, what drew you to them? Well, uh, Cleandris has actually been around for, I don't know, uh, 10 or 15 years. I know that they started actually integrating with NetApp products around 2010, they had a handful of products that actually worked with ONTAP products for doing things like uh, figuring out backup indexes, uh, doing um, ransomware protection, that type of thing. 
So their entire product line at this point is entirely NetApp integrations. They don't do, they don't work with any other storage vendors. They don't work with any other uh, products out there. They're, everything that they do is actually tying into existing NetApp products. They're actually based in Switzerland, and they're a fairly small company. They're, um, you know, just a handful of interesting people uh, who, who came along and had this idea. Um, both Michael and I have had the opportunity to actually go to Switzerland and see their headquarters, and it's. Uh, a very little beautiful place in, in uh, downtown Zurich. And uh, their CEO, Christian Pladner, actually took us out for a, a little day trip to uh, some of the Alps. And we got to have a, a nice day out, uh, you know, sightseeing in Switzerland before we got down to business with them. That sounds awful. Yeah, it was actually absolutely wonderful. They're very nice people. The thing I like about it that's really interesting is they're a small company but they are very aggressive about features. I've been working with them for a number of months and the number of feature requests that they have completed for me is breathtaking. They've really put a lot of time and effort into make this Cleongis product the very best they can. And the cool thing about that is it's not gonna stop. They're gonna continue to work hard to make the best they can and because they're a small team, they don't need to have a lot of meetings. They can just do stuff. And that's pretty cool. Well, yeah, I, I think agility is the, the proper term. Uh, yeah. It, it just reminds me of when I've worked at some other small companies where uh, they're, they're very hungry, they're very interested in getting things done, and there's not a whole lot of overhead. So it's like when there's a, a task that needs to be done, they can get on it and get it done. And it's just refreshing to work with a, a company that has, as I said, that level of agility. Well, it helps that they focus solely on NetApp, right? I mean, they <laughs> it like gives them a, a, a place to, to hone in and, and really drill down into it. Yeah, that's true. But they're also starting to understand, and I put a lot of time into this, the, the fact that they're walking into a BCDR space now that really changes things. You need to do even more QA on your product and you have to really work at making sure that the customer gets what they need because if you don't, the backlash from a DR event occurring and the failover is not happening uh, is is deadly. It, it's overwhelming. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be um, the name that comes out This, you know, how, why didn't we fail over properly or why did yep. we lose all this data? Now, I used an example with them of the opposite, where my wife and I were on holiday in the States, and we were in some shopping mall somewhere, and some dude came up and hugged me and kissed me on the cheek and said, thank you. And I didn't know who it was, but afterwards, after some talking very quickly, I discovered he was an old customer of mine, and his people had learned about SRM from me, had learned about BCDR from me and did what I said they should do. And they actually had an outage and everything came back. And he was so happy that he didn't have to fire anybody. So what that translates to is his loyalty to VMware is huge. Yeah, it really builds a strong uh rapport with with a company that can help you out of a tough situation yeah. but you know again like you said the the, com, the converse effect is if, if that happens and you're you're basically stricken from the record oh big time yeah it, it gets pretty bad the bcdr community is very small 
And there's actually an organization in the States that's done a very good job of tying it together. So one bad experience can travel very far, very quick. Sanders has also built a a very strong reputation in uh, Switzerland, Germany, and France already. So they're they're actually in use by some enterprise and and large uh, governmental um, agencies. Very large. in, In those countries. So they they actually are established and are very familiar with uh, with working with enterprise class companies. So it's not like they're they're a small company who's new to this game. That's correct. Yeah, very true. I should have made that more clear. Yeah, they've been around a while. They've been around what, since like twenty fourteen or something like that. Twenty twelve, uh, I think. They actually were founded in two thousand six. What? And wow. they've been doing NetApp integration since uh, two thousand ten. Okay. Yeah, I actually met the CEO there at uh, at Insight. He he's a nice guy. Oh yeah, he really is. Yep. Uh, and if you ever get to Switzerland, you should look him up because he knows the best restaurants to get to. Excellent. Yes, he does. <laughs> I'll, I'll that'll be another year or two down the road, but whatever. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's for for sure, actually. Yeah. Michael, you mentioned helping that customer out of a tight jam with some of the recommendations you gave them. So could you give our customers and our listeners some recommendations for some DR best practices with, with NetApp HCI? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to. The most important one, and that's a, maybe debatable by some, but is you need to have an executive sponsor. That executive sponsor will make sure that if there's little hiccups or little things, they'll be cleared away quite quickly. Like as an example, one customer I worked with, they had two power supplies in every server and they had hundreds of servers and each power supply was plugged into a different circuit, but the circuits were all from the same vendor. And so when I said they should be from two different vendors, people just hemmed and hawed, but the executive sponsor said, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And so they did it. The next one that's really useful and really important is to practice realistically often. The more you practice at something, the better you get at it. And the better you get at doing BCDR work and doing test failovers, that means if there's any little hiccups during a real failover, you know what to do to complete the work. I often in the past have suggested that the exchange team once it's successful at doing a failover, should be doing the SQL server failover. And the SQL server people should be doing the exchange. And and that way you spread the skills around. Uh, A third one that is sort of humorous, people sort of think twice, but then they realize, oh, that's not so bad, is to actually do your test upgrades of OSs and applications in a test failover. Now, the reason I say that, of course, on the surface is because it's a safe way to do a better test. But on the not-so-surface, I say that because it means people will get even better at working within test failovers, and that'll have the benefit of doing better test failovers. And, of course, when a real failover occurs, it will actually work better. Another one that's uh, very tricky Uh, One of my past employers allowed me to go visit people that had been through disasters. But what's tricky is the trigger time. A customer needs to be able to say, oh, my gosh, things aren't working. Let's do a failover. 
and they should be able to do that fairly quickly. I visited one customer that took six hours to make the decision. They couldn't find the right people and they just hemmed and hawed. And it took them six hours to do a two hour failover. So you do what I call sand table exercises where the boss is there who has the authority to do a failover and you pretend there's a crisis and you talk through it. You talk about you know, doing a test failover and all that. And you get the boss to say, yes, go. So you're practicing the trigger time, and that's very important as well. One note I was going to make about this, about what Michael said as well, is from what Cleandris has told us, there actually are compliance requirements in some of the European countries that they're very, that they sell into, where you actually have to do test failovers about once a month, and you have to keep reports of what happened during those test failovers. So one of the nice features of the Cleandris product is the ability to actually generate this report where you can keep a log of, hey, we've done a test fail over this month, and here's the report from it. That's a good point. And I think that's true, Andy, isn't it, in the states within certain verticals, like hospitals or something? I, I'm i not going to even try to guess what, uh, you know, I, I'm yeah. not a compliance expert. Me either, but I think it's true for some verticals in other parts of the world as well. But, uh, yeah. Okay. I, I simply brought up the compliance aspect uh, for the European countries because uh, because the Cleandris folks had mentioned it. Yeah, I, I've heard that as well. But those are some of the most important, the practice often and realistic. Uh, one customer just recently I was talking with, I suggested that they actually go to a hotel conference room with crappy internet and do a test failover just because that might be realistic. They might lose their building, and so they might have to go somewhere, and they might have trouble with the internet, and so they should practice in that kind of environment. The executive sponsor, of course, is very helpful because sometimes you got to spend money or make decisions. And uh, practicing the failover is one thing, but practicing the decision is also very important. Or they could come practice from my basement today. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed. They're bringing in fiber internet to my neighborhood, so it's caused some issues to the non-fiber users, which is sort of weird. I've personally been in a bunch of disasters. I had the first one happen in Calgary, Alberta, Canada with an oil and gas company. And for whatever reason, probably because I'm an ex-soldier, I was comfortable and and calm and just made everything work and and we came through it not so bad. But through that I've come into a lot of experience. Some of it pretty weird but like I've had data centers on ships, you know, oil and gas ships and actually had fires on them too which is quite interesting. Did you know they fight fires with salt water? I did not know that. That totally ruined a plan I had and made the recovery a bit longer. But my point is, is I've been in a bunch of different kinds of disasters with trains and water and just a variety of them. And Cleandris would work really well in all of them, in the shipboard ones, in the data centers that were flooded or the roof was torn off. Cleandris is a very good product and I'm quite comfortable saying that it's a good product because I know it would fit 
in a bunch of the disasters that I have personal knowledge and experience in. All right, Michael, Andy, thanks so much for joining us and giving us the lowdown on NetApp HCI and disaster recovery and business continuity. Uh, so, Michael, if we wanted to reach you, how did we do that? Well, first, um, I've got a blog that's notes from mwhite.net. Second, I'm on Twitter as MWVME. And then third, my uh, NetApp email is michael.white at netapp.com. So I look forward to chatting with anybody. Excellent. All right, uh, Andy. You can find me on Twitter at Andy Banta. You can also uh, send me an email at abanta at netapp.com. And you can uh, just search for Storage Janitor, and you will probably find me. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Andy Banta and Michael White for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.